Well, good morning. Welcome to the 11 o'clock service. As best I can tell, there is only one prayer in the Bible that I have ever actively ignored. There's only one prayer that's recorded in the scripture that I have such strong and frankly kind of negative associations with that when I come across it in my own personal reading time, I'll just like skim it at best. I'm always like, oh, here we go. It's that one again. I haven't taught on this prayer ever until this morning. And to be frank, I haven't even heard other pastors teach on this particular prayer in the last 20 years. I'm sure there are some that have, but I haven't come across it at all. So when we started this this Praying with Fire series. And I thought to myself, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to find those really passionate prayers in the Bible, and then we're going to dissect them on Sunday mornings during our sermon time. And Connect is going to learn everything we can from these really amazing prayers recorded in the Bible. I felt like the Holy Spirit saying, you know which one you have to include, don't you? I was like, oh, no, God, not that one, not that one. There are so many good prayers recorded, Old Testament, New Testament. Why don't we go with one of those that I just like, I connect with a little more naturally, one that doesn't have all the baggage that this particular one does. But no matter how hard I pushed back, God wasn't going to let me get away with not teaching on this particular prayer. So which prayer could cause this kind of response in me? Why would I have such a tense or fraught relationship with it? And why does God insist that this prayer is still helpful for those of us in the 21st century? Well, this morning we're going to find out. The prayer is known as the prayer of Jabez. Anybody familiar with the prayer of Jabez? Okay, a few of you are. I heard some groans. I understand. The prayer of Jabez, it's this tiny little thing that's recorded in 1 Chronicles chapter number four. Now we're going to read it in just a moment, okay? But part of my frustration with this particular passage stems from the fact that it it is found in one of the most obscure and frankly boring places in the entire Bible. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that some parts of the Bible can be boring. I don't think they're going to take away my pastor card for that. But anyway, I'll let you know. Um, If we could just be real though, there are some parts of the Bible that are harder to read than others. And and honestly, 1 Chronicles chapter number four is one of those passages you don't want to read right before you go to bed. Are you with me? Or if you're having trouble sleeping, don't pop an Ambien. Just open up 1 Chronicles 4, okay? Now, here's why. Here's why. Before you write me off, here's why. 1 Chronicles, it's a book in the Old Testament. It opens with nine chapters of genealogy. Nine chapters of, and -and so-and-so begat so-and-so, who begat so-and-so, who was called so-and-so, and they begat so-and-so. There are six 100 names recorded in 1 Chronicles 1 through 9, back to back to back to back. You start reading it and you're like, is this what the rest of the Bible is? Are we ever going to get through this incredibly long list of a family tree? You just start to think it's not going to end. And, and so you're not likely to read the prayer of Jabez just randomly. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know, like, there are a bunch of different ways you can read the Bible. What I think most people end up doing is they're kind of like, all right, I should read the Bible today. What should I read? And so you're like, you flip it open. If you, and you get to first Chronicles and the first few chapters, you're going to be like, 
nope, nope, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep, until you find like a story. You know what I mean? That's just how it is. So you're not likely to come across it just randomly in your own reading. The only way you might come across the prayer of Jabez is if you're reading the Bible according to a plan, right? And these are so good and helpful, you guys. There are an infinite number of them uh, on, the, on the internet. You can go Google like Bible reading plan. And often it's like a bio, read the Bible in a year, read the Bible in two years. And so it's like, read one, two, three chapters a day. They tell you which chapters to read, usually one or two from the Old Testament, one from the New, and you can kind of, you'll cover the entire scripture. And the reason why that's valuable is if you're just kind of randomly opening the Bible and reading, you're gonna find yourself skipping a lot of very important stuff that's in there just because it's like in obscure places or it's a little bit harder to read. So it can be very helpful to have this kind of framework to force you into reading stuff like the prayer of Jabez. So that's problem number one or issue number one that I have with the, this particular section of the scripture. The second is this, the prayer of Jabez is almost certainly the most selfish prayer in the Bible. It is. If you know it, then you understand exactly what I'm talking about. We're going to read it in a moment. It's going to become very apparent to you. It is so self-centered that there's a part of me that looks at it. I'm like, are we supposed to be praying stuff like that? Like that doesn't, I don't know, it just feels weird. I'm not sure we should be saying that. And so you'll see what I mean in a moment. There's actually one other factor that contributes to the reputation of the prayer of Jabez. And that is way back in 2000, gosh, that was a long time ago. It feels like three years ago. But anyway, back in 2000, there was an author by the name of Bruce Wilkerson. And he wrote a very small, like a tiny, tiny little devotional on the prayer of Jabez. And it went viral. Like early on, it just was a smash hit. That thing sold more than 10 million copies in the first few years that it was in circulation. Like that's like the population of Canada at the time in 2000. That's basically like every household in Canada buying a copy of this book. It's mind boggling how many people read Bruce Wilkerson's book on the prayer of Jabez. And so what ended up happening is like the Christian marketing machine kind of got behind it and they started like creating the, the kitschiest stuff you could ever imagine on the prayer of Jabez. If you were around at the turn of the millennium in Christian culture, like the prayer of Jabez was on every single t-shirt, you know, like the crosses that you hang on the wall that have like the scriptures on them. Every single one of them had the prayer of Jabez on it. They were printing it on Bible covers, on mugs. And eventually you're like, guys, there are other verses in the Bible besides the prayer of Jabez. Can we get over this thing? It's just like, ah, it was everywhere. Then it was taken, although like Wilkerson's book, if you read it, like it's such a straightforward explanation of this passage. There's nothing weird or I don't know. It's just, yeah, 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 that's what I would expect a pastor to say about it. It was actually kind of grabbed onto by a a group in Christianity called the Prosperity Gospel. And the Prosperity Gospel is, it's a teaching that says God doesn't want any of his followers to ever be sick or poor or have hard days. Now, listen to me. If that's what the New Testament actually taught, I would be all for it, okay? But that is not what the New Testament teaches. In fact, following Jesus comes with a lot of hardships and God doesn't protect us from every one of those hardships. And so like there were a lot of us that were just kind of like, you know what? Why don't we set the prayer of Jabez aside? Let's just kind of forget it's in there. We'll skip over it. We'll teach on some of these other prayers. And it really didn't get much play. But you know, this is in the Bible, we can't ignore something that's in the Bible just because like we don't really like what it has to say. It's inspired just like every other one of the prayers that we're talking about in this series. And honestly, I can't even deny it. It is an incredible example of what it means to pray with fire. So 
We've talked enough about the prayer of Jabez. Let's go ahead and read this joker, all right? First Chronicles chapter number four. We're gonna read verses nine and 10. It's only two, two verses long. This is what it says. Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. His mother had named him Jabez saying, I gave birth to him in great pain. Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And God granted his request. So before the prayer is recounted for us, we're told about the person who prayed the prayer. And and we're told that his name is Jabez and the scripture provides two very important details for us. The first is Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. Now we don't know anything about his family, really. We don't know how many brothers he had. Why was he more honorable than them? Were they like career criminals? Were they just mean guys? We really have no clue, but we're told there is something in Jabez's character that is worth noting. He is more honorable than his brothers. The second thing that we're told is that he was named Jabez because his mother gave birth to him in great pain. Now, I imagine that all births at this time in history involve great pain. Are you with me? Like, pain management 3,000 years ago was like, here's a stick, lady, bite down hard, okay? That was, that was the extent of what they could do. So for Jabez's mama to, to really highlight just how difficult and painful his labor was, it must have been extra bad. So what's the connection then between his name Jabez and the fact that his mom's delivery of him was really painful? That's lost on us because we don't speak Hebrew. But for people that spoke Hebrew, they would have made the connection immediately. And that's because the name Jabez, it sounds almost exactly like the Hebrew word for pain. So his mother named him pain because he caused a lot of pain in his birth. Can you imagine that? A mother naming her child pain? This kid's a real Jabez in the neck. Are you with me? Like, this is like pain. He's a pain. Um, that had to really mess with him. Can you imagine a mother saying to her son every single day, like, I almost died giving birth to you, okay? Go clean your room. You owe me this one. If you heard that again and again every single day, every time your name is spoken, you're reminded of the trauma that you caused your mama. Every time, if that was, in, that was good. That just came out in the moment. Um, If that was there every single day growing up, that would really mess with your sense of identity, wouldn't it? Like that would be hard to bear. That would feel like a weight. Can you imagine every time he had to introduce himself? Hi, I'm Jabez. And people are like, what? Your name is Pain? Your name is Pain? Well, yeah, my mom. And it's like, ah, you got to imagine his brothers and his schoolmates definitely teased him. In short, Jabez had a really tough start. So part of the reason that this prayer is so helpful and part of the reason that we're given these details about him is that the man named Pain asked God to keep him from pain. This is key. It's really important because he wasn't just praying in the same way that you and I might pray today. God, spare me from pain. I don't, I, you know, my back hurts. Could you just deal with my back pain today, please? Um, he's not praying it in that way. Given the connection between his name and his prayer, I think it's a safe conclusion that Jabez, when he says, keep me from pain, he is actually praying that God would relieve him of the curse that he's been living under his entire life. God, change my name. 
change my reputation, change what people have called me, change what people have said about me. He's acknowledging that his identity comes from God and not from his past. Listen, that alone might be the reason that God brought some of you to church this morning. Just so that you would hear your identity is not found in your family of origin. It's not found in your past mistakes. It's not found in your reputation. Come on now. You are not what your mama said about you. You are not what your ex-wife says about you. You are not what the enemy says about you. Like the song champion we sang this morning, I am who you say I am. My identity comes from God and not what somebody else might have said. They call me Jabez, but God calls me son. That's a reason enough to come to church. I could say amen and we could go home and that would be enough to get you through the week. I promise you that. But we'll keep going because there's something I want to focus on here. Jabez in total, he makes four requests in this particular prayer. And I want to put them on the screen so you kind of understand the progression and what he's asking for. Jabez makes four requests. The first is he prays very directly, God bless me, right? So he's asking for God's blessing on his life. That one's easy. He goes on to pray, expand my territory, which in his day literally meant, give me more land, God, give me more land. Land meant wealth in their society. It meant the ability to have more livestock, the ability to have more people living on your land. It was great power and influence. So really when he says expand my territory, he's asking for God's provision. God provide for me, send resources my way. Then he says, be with me in all that I do. Some translations say, let your hand be with me in every uh, thing that I do. So that's That's a symbol of God's presence. He's saying, God, I want your presence with me. And then finally, he says, keep me from trouble and pain. That's a way of asking for God's protection. Do you see how this is, like it's a selfish prayer, honestly. (laughs) He's like, God, make my life good. Make my life easy. Help me in all of these different ways. He prays for four separate things. And truthfully, I don't have time today to explain all four of these things. When I was prepping this message, I was like, oh, what an oversight. This should have been a whole series. We should have done a prayer Jabez series and we could have spent four weeks talking about each one of these and what they mean. But you know, I felt like God was saying, Dan, why don't you just focus on the first request today? Let's whet their appetite a little bit. Maybe they'll dig into the prayer of Jabez on their own, learn and grow in these other three. So why don't you focus on Jabez's prayer for God's blessing? And the reason that I felt like that was appropriate to do was because praying for God's blessing is kind of like the standard prayer, isn't it? It's like our default when we're praying, we're like, well, God bless me today. God bless her. God bless us. Bless the food. Bless your heart. Bless you when you sneeze. You know, it's just like we say bless us a lot. And and listen, praying for God's blessing is not a bad thing because you see that when Jabez prayed for God's blessing, when he asked for that, God granted his request. So the problem is not with praying for God's blessing, but here's my concern. We really don't even know what we're asking for when we ask God for his blessing. We think we do, but we actually don't know what we're asking for when we say, God, bless us. So what I want to do is I want to give you three thoughts to keep in mind the next time you're praying and the phrase, God, just bless me today. When that phrase comes up, there are three things that you need to know about what you're saying in the moment that I promise you will take those words from kind of like empty, cliche, rote, like filler words to being really meaningful, impactful, powerful. You will be excited to pray, God bless me, because you'll have a better sense of what you're actually asking him for. So first, 
When we pray for God's blessing, we are asking for something we cannot gain for ourselves. When you pray and ask God for his blessing, you are asking him for something that you cannot gain for yourself. Now stay with me. Typically, when we pray for God's blessing, we already have a rough idea of what it is we're asking for, don't we? If I say, God, bless my marriage, what I might mean is, God, make us happy and help us to get along well. But now let's not forget, God has already told us in his word what it takes to have a happy marriage, hasn't he? So, so having a healthy and happy relationship should be well within our power as spirit-filled believers. Amber and I, we will be the ones who determine whether or not we are happy and getting along well based on our attitude and our interactions with one another. God's not going to do the work for us. So can I tell you, there is a sense in which we often come to God asking for his blessing and God's like, you're asking me to do what I already told you you should be doing. Are you with me? I've already told you how to have that. That's, that's not my blessing. There are people that have wonderful marriages, but they don't have my blessing. If I pray, God, bless my finances, I usually mean provide me with more money, God, or help me to pay all of these bills that I probably shouldn't have signed up for. But God has already outlined the financial principles that lead to abundance and generosity in scripture. It's amazing, isn't it, how often we ignore God's commands and then ask him to bail us out under the guise of his blessing. We're asking him to do for us things he's already told us that we should have as his followers in Jesus. I think that's a problem. It's a little bit maybe like a diabetic who, um, and if you're diabetic, I'm not picking on you. I don't even know, okay? Uh, But it's a little bit like a diabetic who goes to the doctor and the diabetic is like, doctor, make me well. Or they pray, God, make my diabetes go away. But they're just like chomping on candy and Pringles all day. It's like, okay, now you, you you can't use God's blessing as a substitute for obedience to God's word. You, you can't use like God's, God's favor, his, his uh, miraculous provision as a shortcut for not doing the things that he told you you were supposed to do in the first place. So when we pray for God's blessing, we are not asking him for things that we could already have ourselves if we were simply obedient to his word. And not only that, when we think about God's blessing, uh, usually we're, oh, we're usually focused on what we think his breast, blessing brings, aren't we? Like, okay, so God bless me, and what that means is I'm going to be healthy, and I'm going to be wealthy, and I'm going to be wise, and I'm going to be joyful, and I'm going to be peaceful, and uh, everybody in my family is going to get along. We come to God with a predetermined definition of what blessing is, right? God bless me. Oh, by the way, here's the blessings that I'm talking about in this moment. We don't really stop to think about what God's blessing actually is. We focus on what it brings, but not what it actually is, okay? Asking for God's blessing is asking for something that is outside of our ability to get on our own. When you ask for God's blessing, you are asking for divine favor. And no matter how hard you might hustle and work and grind in life, you will never be able to have God's blessing apart from God. Are you with me? So when we come to God and we define blessings as we see fit, normally we define them by the same four or five things, right? It's like money. It's like a good, a hot spouse. It's like, you know, living in the right neighborhood. It's a promotion at work. I mean, we kind of have our sense of what blessing is. But hear me now. If you come to God and you ask for his blessing, but then you tell him what the blessing is, you are not asking for God's blessing. You're asking for your own blessing. 
The blessing belongs to the person that defines it. So if we're going to pray for God's blessing, then we can't tell him what that blessing is or what it looks like. We have to trust that he'll handle it. Now, if you're not really tracking with me, let's come at it from a totally different perspective here for just a moment. We might think of it like this. When we ask for God's blessing on our life, all right, we typically have in mind God's omnipotence. Omnipotence is a big fancy word that means all powerful. God can do anything. And so we're like, God, I can't make my finances stretch all the way they need to this month, but you can because you're all powerful. So I need you to show up. God, I can't get a spouse apparently. So I need you to show up. Can you help me? We focus on God's power, his ability to provide and to do what we ask him to do. Hey, stop, Siri. Um, we, we focus on his ability and power to provide uh, what we want him to do. But here's the problem. When we come with that expectation and attitude to God, yes, we are honoring his omnipotence, but we are actually ignoring his omniscience. Omniscience is another fancy word. That means God is all-knowing. So watch this. We say, okay, God, you're all-powerful, and I know what I need, so why don't you provide for me what I need? That's your blessing, right? And God is saying, oh, if you could see things from my perspective, there are things that you're asking me for that you think would represent my blessing, but they would actually be a curse if I gave it to you. You're saying, God, if he would just propose, I'm dying. I've been waiting for so long. Please, would you have him propose? And God is like, girl, you're not even gonna be together in nine months. You don't know it yet, but I can see things that you cannot see yet. So listen, don't come to me asking for my omnipotence and also not my omniscience. See, when we come and ask God for his blessing, we don't tell him what the blessing looks like. We don't presume that we know what is best for us. Instead, we say, God, I'm asking for what only you can give me. Not something that I could achieve if I worked really hard or I spent all my time on dating apps or I saved all my money really, really well. Anybody can get that. There are wealthy people that have lots of cash in the bank account and they don't struggle to pay their bills at all. And you know what? They do not have God's blessing. There are people that have their dream spouse. They don't have God's blessing. There are people who get the promotion at work and they don't have God's blessing because God's blessing is in another category altogether. It is divine favor that a person could never have on their own. So when you show up and you say, God bless me, you're not asking for some little simple thing that honestly you could get on your own. You're asking for a supernatural thing. You're asking for something that will dramatically change your life and situation because it only comes about through God's divine favor. You're praying for a powerful thing when you ask for God's blessing. That leads nicely to our second truth. And that is that when we pray for God's blessing, we allow God to determine the what, the when, and the how. When we pray for God's blessing, we've got to be willing to take our hands off and say, okay, now I'm asking for your blessing, not my blessing. If it's my blessing, I could probably tell you the what, the when, and the how, God, but I'm asking for your blessing and it's your prerogative to provide it when and how and if you see fit. Did you notice there in 1 Chronicles chapter number four, Jabez prays, oh God, that you would bless me. The, the way this is written in the Hebrew, it's like that you would Bless me truly, indeed, like really, God, you would bless me fully. But he doesn't put any expectations or qualifications on it. He says, God, bless me. And I trust that you can handle the details. 
I'll let you decide what blessing means. Because I might come to you with three or four little things and God's like, ooh, I wanna give you so much more than three or four little things. Do you know that's why Ephesians tells us that God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly, not only beyond anything we might ask, but also anything we might even imagine. Our brains are not able to comprehend what divine favor actually might look like, what God's blessing could actually be. So Jabez sets an example that we should follow. We should simply pray, God, I am asking for your blessing. And because I recognize that it is your blessing on my life, I'm gonna let you determine what that blessing looks like. If you were here last week, you're like, well, Dan, I was paying attention. And I remember last week that you said we should pray bold and specific prayers. You should tell God exactly what it is that you're asking him for, right? Yes, I did say that. But I don't think these two things are mutually exclusive. In fact, I think both of them should be true in the prayer life of every single believer. Uh, The best example of this that we have is from Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. So the night before his crucifixion, Luke chapter number 22, Jesus knows everything that's about to happen. The pain of being betrayed by his disciples. The fact that he's gonna be beaten and mocked and hung naked on a cross in front of his uh, fellow men in the city of Jerusalem. He's going to be stabbed. He's going to be starved. He's going to be He's gonna die and he's gonna be buried before he eventually experiences the resurrection. But he also knows that even though he's gonna be resurrected, his 12 closest followers, they're all gonna be martyred for what he says and does in the next few days as well. So all of that is in front of him. Jesus knows it. And in the garden of Gethsemane, he prays this way. He says, if it's possible, let this cup of suffering pass from me. Jesus was bold and specific in his prayers to God. He asked God specifically, if there is any other way to make this happen, could we do it that way instead? Nevertheless, yet. Father, not what I will. I want your will to be done. Again, this is a pattern that every single one of us should have. There is nothing wrong with praying specifically for what it is you want. If you wanna pray for a wife, then pray specifically for a wife. If you wanna pray for increased finances, pray specifically for that. If you wanna pray for an end to your depression, if you wanna answer to your question, if you want a closer relationship with the people around you, pray boldly and specifically. But as followers of Jesus, we always say, and yet, Lord, not what I want, what you want because I know my perspective is limited. Things that I think are gonna be good for me may not be good for me. So I trust you to decide for me what is best for me. Your ways, your timing are better than anything I could come up with on my own. And so God, I leave that to you. So let me ask you, let's let's get real for a minute. If you pray for a child and God says to you, I'm sorry, but that's not my plan for you can you still count yourself as blessed in Christ? Because like, because really, this, this gets to the heart of what we're talking about here. We're like, who's defining blessing? What does blessing constitute? And if God says no to the thing that you believe constitutes the greatest blessing, then it isn't his blessing. If you pray for healing, and God says, eventually, but not today. And by the way, I'm gonna chase a quick rabbit trail here. It's not even in my notes, but I feel like it's important to say. You do realize that God says yes to every answer for healing, ultimately. You know know that, right? Like everybody who has any handicap, disease, ailment, 
battle that they've been facing. For them. It can be chronic. It can be the doctors telling you there is no hope. It will never change. There's nothing we can do for you. Come back in a thousand years and maybe science will advance to the point that we can help you. God will heal you. If not here on earth, then eternity. So if God says to you, I will heal you ultimately, but not today, can you still trust him? That you are blessed by him that he hasn't forgotten you or abandoned you because he determines what blessing really looks like. The blessing is his to give if he sees fit, when he sees fit, how he sees fit. Now listen, that is a tough truth to swallow. I don't like it any more than you do. But the sooner we realize that's the truth, see, when we combine God's omnipotence with his omniscience, you know what we get? God's sovereignty. We have a sovereign God, a God who knows what is best for the world and he's able to make it happen. And so we trust, we take a step back and we say, God, I'm giving this over to you. You can determine the what, you can determine the when, you can determine the how, you can even determine the if. Just like Job said, he could kill me and I would still praise him. Okay, it's getting too heavy, so we better move on. Last truth, keep in mind when you're praying, God bless me, God bless me. When we pray for God's blessing, we are implicitly agreeing to share that blessing with other people. Like when God blesses you, he gives you divine favor. I'm just gonna tell you, there are strings attached. There is fine print when God blesses you. And the fine print though is actually a really wonderful thing. It's that when God sends his blessing onto your life, you are not expected to hoard that blessing all to yourself, but you are intended to share that blessing with the people who are around you. Look at what God said to Abraham way back in the book of Genesis, chapter number 12, verse two. This is what he said to Abraham. I will bless you and I will make your name great. Listen, if God said that to me, I would be like, thank you. Yes, I'll sign up for that, please. That sounds wonderful. But notice what God says. I'm gonna bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing to the nations. God blesses his people so that they can in turn share and spread that blessing to others. You are not just a recipient of God's blessing. You are a conduit of God's blessing. That's his design and his intention for you. You are a river and not a lake. You are an ATM and not a piggy bank. You are a giver and not a taker because God's divine favor comes with the expectation from his perspective and the agreement from yours that I won't take this just so my life is comfy and cush. I'm gonna use it to change the world, to expand God's kingdom. If God said, you know what? I'm gonna let you move into that neighborhood. Are you gonna move into that neighborhood and be like, woo, I finally made it. Let's sit back and take it easy. If God says, I'm gonna give you that position of influence, are you going to use that influence for yourself or for his kingdom? When God gives you his divine favor, whatever that might look like, the expectation is that you are gonna share it with others. That's why Jesus himself told us, it is more blessed to give than to receive. This is why in James, the book of James, James is Jesus' brother. Do you guys know that? They were like siblings. They grew up together in the same household. So in the book of James, James says this, the reason that your prayers are often not answered is because you don't even bother to ask. 
But he says, sometimes you do ask and God chooses to say no because you ask for the wrong reasons. And, and listen to how he finishes this line. He says, so that you can consume what you receive on your appetites. What he says is you're asking because it'll make you happy. It'll make you feel comfy, safe, secure, whatever it might be. And God says, I'm not giving you my blessing for those reasons. I'm giving you my blessing so that you can help release my love and truth into the world. I don't even have time to get into this one. Should be another message. But although when we're talking about the blessing of God, particularly in prayer, we usually think about it as one way. God bless me. Did you know several times in the scripture that his people are called to bless him? In the same way you hope God will bless you, you are called to bless God. Look again, or actually we don't even have this on the, on the screen. So just listen, Ephesians chapter number one, verse three, you didn't even realize it, but some of the lines from that last song, Champion, we just sang, were actually taken from here. Man, some of you guys are like, why do they sing songs from Elevation or Bethel or anything like that? It's like, they're, they're scripture. You don't even know the scripture, so how would you know? All right, anyway, Ephesians 1, 3. I'm just, whatever, man. I don't care, it's the last service of the day. Um, Ephesians 1, 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is God's people blessing God. Why? Because he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places through Christ. So when God blesses his people, the response is not like, ah, finally, life is gonna be easy. No, the response is share the blessing and bless the blesser. This is what God calls us to. So for me, when I start to think about these things, like I keep these truths in mind when I'm saying, God bless me, these no longer become empty words. This is not just like some cliche or filler words that I repeat because I can't think of anything else to pray in the moment. No, praying for God's blessing is praying for one of the most powerful things you could ever have in life. It's so important that we do pray for God's blessing that we do pray that God's hand would be with us, that we do pray for his provision and his protection. We should be praying for these things. I was talking to a lady after the first service and uh, she said, you know, I really appreciate what you said, but I just struggle because when I pray, I feel selfish when I ask God for stuff like that. God help me, God bless me. It just seems selfish and that feels wrong in some way. And so I don't know, I just, I struggle with that. And I was like, well, your son is standing right over there, isn't he? Yeah, that's my son over there. And I said, okay, imagine your son had a need in his life and he didn't come to his mom. Imagine he carried around a weight and a burden and you didn't know about it because he didn't tell you. You would be like, you're not putting me out any to come and ask for stuff like this. This, this is what I want. I want this kind of relationship where we talk and we're honest and I'm able to help you become the person I want you to be. It's the same way between us and God. He wants us to pray, but he wants us to understand what it is that we're praying for. So my challenge to you is this, and it's a very generic uh, challenge, but whatever, it's good enough. Um, the challenge is this, we are in the middle of 21 days of prayer right now as a church. And there are like every single day of the week, there are group prayer gatherings that are happening throughout the day, some in the evening, wherever it might be, they're here at the church. We've got one meeting in Airdrie. Some of them are online, so you don't even have to get out of your PJs. We have 21 days of prayer happening, lots of prayer opportunities. Because I've got the microphone, I'm gonna highlight my group that happens right here in the auditorium 
on Wednesday at 6.30 a.m. Yeah, I said a.m., not p.m. First thing in the morning before some of you guys go to work. And listen, we gathered last week. It was incredible. There were, I don't know, 15, 20 people. We were just gathered right down here at the front. We had a little bit of worship. It was like so low key, no lights, no smoke, nothing. It was just like real and raw and amazing. Can I tell you, out of the 15 or so people that were here, two of us were guys and we're both on staff. So fellas, get your butts here, please. Um, like, but it was awesome. And here's what we did. Here's what we're doing this Wednesday, okay? Uh, last week, we spent our Wednesday morning prayer time praying over the three things that we talked about from Acts chapter number four. This Wednesday, we're gonna be praying for these four things in the prayer of Jabez. So if you're like, oh, this is awesome. I kind of dig this and I wanna know more and I wanna see how this plays out in an actual prayer time, then come on Wednesday. But look, if Wednesday doesn't work for you or whatever it might be, find a group, get involved, start praying because it genuinely is the most powerful resource that you have in your entire life. Ask for God's blessing. He promises he will give it to you. So let's do it. Father, I pray that you would provide your blessing on every single person here in this church. I pray, God, that our congregation would be swimming in divine favor, that, Lord, we would not define that according to earthly standards, but, Lord, according to heavenly truths. I pray that our marriages would be truly blessed by your spirit. I pray that our kids would be blessed when they get up and go to school in the morning. I pray, God, that we would we would walk and move in your goodness and presence and provision and protection every single day. Help us not be a, to be a afraid or ashamed to pray for that, Lord. It's a good thing. And that's why you answered Jabez's prayer. And I believe, God, that's why you'll answer ours as well. We ask all this in Christ's name. Amen.